All right. Well, again, uh, well, just a thrilling day. Exciting to have you here. And uh, I know uh, if you came uh, as a result of someone inviting you, uh, we certainly wanted to make sure that you got those filled out because as far as the, the gifts at the end, you know, those are all, you know, based on things that we can accurately measure, kind of like science. We're going to talk about that a little bit today, so I thought I'd share that. Well, you know, somebody stands up and says, I brought 15, I brought 25. And we go, can you account for that somehow? Well, yeah, I brought 15, I brought 25. No, no, you need to accurately account for it. Uh, we're empirical data only, please. But uh, anyway, we're glad you're here. And at the end of the service, we're going to recognize a few folks. And uh, that's, that's exciting. But uh, I know a number of you came. And, and there's uh, just a, a number of our church family that have invited you here. And we do count it an honor and a privilege to have you as our guest today. Uh, you, you just uh, don't realize how much we appreciate the fact that you trust us to come today and to be a part of the service. And today, as we start, we're going to enter into what, uh, a new series, okay, that I'm going to be sharing over the next weeks. And it's uh, called uh, Creation Fact, not, fi- not uh, I almost said fiction, Creation Fact, not Theory. And uh, I wonder if I put the wrong thing on my slide. But anyway, uh, it's fact, not theory. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit. And uh, I trust that it'll be interesting to you. I don't know if it'll be normal. I don't know if it'll be kind of like I always, you know, just preach and type thing. I'm going to try to teach you a little bit today. As a matter of fact, we're going to use the screen back here. As you can already see, there's some things on there. Oh, good. Fact, not theory. Good. It's correct. And uh, I I just finished that slide this morning. It was already done. I just forgot to put it in. And so I threw it in there. And uh, I'm glad that uh, we can get things moving along here. So again, creation, fact, not theory. And uh, I trust it'll be a help to you. All right, well, without further ado, let's go ahead and have a quick word of prayer. I I do want to read one verse, though, as we get started. It's kind of traditional to read a verse, it seems, before a message starts. If you've been in church much, you know a lot of times they'll do that. I do that most of the time, not always. But let me go ahead and begin by just reading Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. The Bible simply says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Let's pray. Father, again, in these next few minutes, may we, Father, honor you. Thank you, Father, for these that have gathered. Lord, uh, each and every one in this room, including myself, represents a soul that's very valuable, very important to you. Lord, we today need you. Lord, it may seem that you're a million miles away. It may seem, Lord, that you may, some may not even believe you exist. But, Lord, the reality is, is that we need you. So, Holy Spirit of God, if anyone does, I do. And I pray you'd fill me today, stand in my shoes, let me be your mouthpiece. And may you be with these that have gathered. And may their ears be anointed with spiritual ear salve and help them, Father, to hear what you'd have for them. May we receive what you share with us. And may it change us from the inside out. Lord, thank you for your goodness and grace. Thank you for your wonderful word, and thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who freely offered himself on Calvary, that we can be made free from sin. Father, we'll thank you and praise you now for what you'll do in Christ's name. Amen. First of all, I'm going to use the PowerPoint today a little bit, and uh, it's going to be, I don't know, can, can you see that a little bit if you're in the first three rows? The rest of you don't count. <laughs> I'm joking. Some of you aren't laughing. 
It's a tough crowd today. But anyway, uh, no, I'm joking. That really isn't. You guys are all doing good. All right, here we go. All right. Let's get started. Okay, now they told me it was going to work. Did, did something happen? Oh, I see what happened. Thanks, guys. I, I must have touched something. My bad. All right, where did it all begin? Isn't that really the question? When it comes down to evolution, at least, and when it comes to creation, as you begin to weigh the two out, that's really the real question. Where did it all begin? Well, in Discover Magazine, there was an article written, Where Did Everything Come From? And there you see a little round ball that's actually about three quarters of an inch round. And what they claim is that everything in the universe ultimately came from that three quarter inch ball. That at one point, the whole of everything, all matter, was into that one three-quarter inch ball, and then it went, boom! <laughs> Evolutionists traditionally held that the universe burst into something from absolutely nothing. If you did your study in school, you know that to be the case. And what you found is that it was commonly referred to as the Big Bang. And so the theory of the big, the big Bang theory, along with evolution, all fits together. And that's basically what scientists have been teaching and training us over the last 50, 60 years. Now, the believer, the Bible believer, they hold to the fact that of the Genesis account. We read in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Well, the Bible also goes on to tell us, and God said, and God said, and God said. And every time God spoke, something came into existence. And so we have the creative days. So where did it all begin? I guess the real issue is, is creation legitimate? Is evolution legitimate? What's right? What's wrong? What's true? What's not? And you know what? That's a legitimate question to ask. I think that it's all right to ask those questions. And sometimes I think we get the idea that because someone goes along and studies something or tries to learn something new, that they've done something wrong. No, not at all. Not at all. Information is good. Knowledge is always beneficial. So we want to answer the question, where did it all begin? Did mankind really evolve from apes? Or is he the creation of God? Those are the questions that we need to answer in our own mind more than any other. Because the decision or the answer that you come to will ultimately affect your life and it will affect your eternity, potentially. So the the debate continues. The debate continues. Now today I want to talk about a couple of things. First of all, I want to talk about Darwinism described. I want to describe Darwinism. Because really, Darwinism is where the theory of evolution is, has, uh, is, takes its root and where it comes from. If it wasn't for Darwin, there would be no evolution, so to speak. Now, there's some basic tenets of evolution that we want to set in, in stone. So we want some groundwork here. First of all, Darwinism says, speaks of species. And it talks about populations of interbreeding organisms change over time and space. These differences extend into the fossil record. What it's saying is there's different species, and as they interbreed, they change over time. And they change over space. And ultimately, they show up in the fossil record. Now, we're going to, we're going to look at that a little bit over the next weeks, whether that is truly the case or not. Also, it talks about all organisms share common ancestors with other organisms. Well, 
What that's saying is, is that over time again, populations divide into different species, which then ultimately share common ancestral populations. You say, what's that all mean? Let me make it real clear. Far enough back in time, any pair of organisms share a common ancestor. For example, uh, example, humans shared a common ancestor with chimpanzees about 8 million years ago. Okay, and that's, that's the theory of evolution. Um, they, humans, about 60 million years ago, could be linked back to whales. We all came from the same species. We all, we all came from the same organisms. And then if you go back even further, 100 million years, you would find that we, we all, uh, basically, um, we are ancestors with the kangaroos. And again, it's all based on the fact that we all sprouted from a common ancestor. We all came from the same ancestor. Now, again, understand, again, there's millions of years involved there, and you're aware of it. You've been taught those things. And the reason for that is because evolutionary change, according to Darwin, is gradual and slow. So it takes a lot of time for these changes to take place. But if you go back far enough, you're left with one single, one single, uh, as it says here, organism. Okay, that's just the way it is. Now, he also has what's called natural selection. He throws that in there as well. And that's the process whereby organisms better adapt to their environment. Uh, those that better adapt to their environment tend to live longer. For instance, let me, let me, let me kind of try to illustrate in a very simplistic way what natural selection is. Say there are certain people in a certain region of the country. They survive by reaching up and picking fruit off of trees. Okay, if I, you have to reach up, pick fruit off of trees. Okay, um, those with long arms will be better adapted to the environment. Why? Because they're able to reach up higher and grab more fruit. Those with shorter arms won't be able to pick as much fruit, and therefore they're going to struggle to survive. You say, well, I'd get a ladder. You don't have a ladder. No ladders in this scenario, okay? Stop thinking. I'm just trying to share natural selection, all right? So the point being is, if you can reach higher, you can get more fruit. Therefore, you can eat, probably pick even better fruit that's in better condition. Ultimately, if you're longer armed, you're going to have a better opportunity to survive into the next generation. You're going to produce more offspring. And therefore, what happens? You begin to produce offspring with longer arms. And over time, there's a whole species or generation of people with longer arms. Natural selection. All because survival of the fittest is in place. That's part of evolution. That's how evolution works. So if we're going to break it down and we're going to just make it as simple as we can, evolution is the theory that all forms of life, as we know them today, came from one common ancestor. It all goes back to that one common ancestor. Everybody, everything on earth, in earth, comes from one common ancestor. That's what evolution teaches. That's what it teaches. That's Darwin basically described, if you will. Now again, Darwin wasn't the first to launch into this murky water of evolution. Again, there were others in the past that had kind of kicked it around a little bit. I think as early as 520 B.C., the Greek philosopher uh, Miletus wrote a text called On Nature, in which he introduced an idea of evolution. 
He stated that life started as slime in the oceans and eventually moved to drier places. He also brought up the idea that species evolve over time. Very similar to Darwinism. Of course, it didn't take quite like it did in our day and age, but it did. It was a theory, and it was someone, a Greek philosopher, who had come up with that idea. So Darwin doesn't stand alone. It wasn't like he's the only one that ever thought of these things. It's just that, it, it's just that Darwin, when he published Origin of the Species in 1859, and the theory of evolution was birthed, it really took shape, and it became rooted in our society and our culture at that time. And up to that time, you'd find that basically any major, uh, uh, any, any scientist of any sort, the majority of them were convinced that there at least was a creator. They may not have maybe all agreed on how the creator uh, permitted things or how he spoke it into existence or how it all came to pass, but they at least agreed that there was a creator. But when Darwin showed up on the scene, he, he introduced this origin of the species and this other theory of evolution that excluded God. And all of a sudden, things began to change. And over the last 50 years or so, it has ex- been accelerated many fold. The first court case over the teaching of evolution occurred in 1925 with the trial of Scopes versus the state of Tennessee. Scopes was a teacher. He wanted to teach evolution, but in Tennessee it was forbidden to teach evolution. You weren't allowed to teach it. And the Tennessee Supreme Court upheld the constitutionality of the law prohibiting the teaching of human evolution. They upheld that law. Teaching human evolution remained illegal in Tennessee up till 1967. The first major court battle that ruled in favor of evolution was decided in 1968, where the United States Supreme Court ruled in Epperson versus Arkansas that a state statute prohibiting the teaching of evolution was unconstitutional. Why? Because it catered to a religious doctrine, thereby violating the establishment clause of the First Amendment of the United States Constitution. They said that basically to teach creation or not to, is to, is to um, um, insert religion into the schools. Therefore, uh, you can't withhold evolution. But here's what they did. Not only did they put evolution in, but then they said you can't teach creation at all. So in 1968, the face of America began to change. And it drastically changed over these last 50 years. The result... Every school-age child became inundated and saturated with the teaching of Darwin and his theory of evolution. And that theory of evolution offered up an an explanation concerning the origin of a couple of things. It, It offered an explanation of the origin of the universe. And it offered an explanation of the origin of mankind that virtually, let's face it, made God obsolete and eventually shut the book on Genesis. Now, due to Darwin's theory of evolution, not, hold on now, not the absolute fact, although it was taught as fact, due to evolution, the theory of it being taught as fact, some things happened in our culture. 
As I said, God was no longer needed in the minds of many young people and adults. And here's what happened. Prominent, prominent evolutionary biologist and historian William Provine of Cornell University spelled out explicitly what Darwinism, if true, would mean. And they were teaching it as fact in the schools. You know it and I know it. There's no evidence for God, he said. If this is true, if, if, if the theory of evolution is true, if Darwinism is true, there is no evidence for God. Number two, oh, let me get over here and show you that. There it is. There's no evidence for God. There's no life after death. There's no absolute foundation for right and wrong. There's no ultimate meaning for life. And people really don't have free will. Natural selection determines things. Do you understand that, again, this is not some biblical theologian. This was literally an evolutionary biologist and historian from Cornell University that said, if indeed Darwinism is true, then there is no evidence for God. It will prove there's no evidence, there's no life after death, there's no absolute foundation for right and wrong, there's no ultimate meaning for life, and people really don't have a free will. Now, according to evolutionary biologist Ernst Meyer, he said this, no educated person any longer questions the validity of the so-called theory of evolution, which we now know to be a simple fact. Oh, we now know to be a simple fact, he says. Here's my response. Really? Really? That's all I have to say. Because over these next weeks, we're going to look at things that may just put a few holes in it. May just say, maybe it's not as surefire, not as pat as some would believe or have been taught. As a matter of fact, that's for sure. And it's not just by people that stand in pulpits like myself and folks that sit in pews like you, but literally prominent, prominent scientists say the same thing. There are doubts declared. We saw Darwin described, but let's consider some doubts declared. First of all, Berkeley evolutionary biologist F. Clark Howell conceded, he conceded now, there is no encompassing theory of human evolution. Alas, there never really has been. I didn't say it. He said it. See, evolution made its way from the textbook into the heart of every public school child in America. The alarming truth was that evolution, whether scientifically sound or not, was presented as fact. That's just the reality of it. And there wasn't any room left for common sense, only so-called science. And if it was scientific, then it meant that it was good, it was rational, and it was modern. Whereas something that was not scientific was old-fashioned and not worthy of the time of day, or even consideration by rational thinkers, you know. I mean, how in the world could you consider God? I mean, everybody knows science is truth. 
And that was the mentality and the spirit that was exhibited and shared with our, our young minds growing up. And I grew up in schools when I, uh, in 1968, about the time that this particular ruling came out, uh, I had just entered the, the kindergarten age and I went through school being taught evolution just like many of you had. And, and, and if you were born before that, you may have escaped some of it, but you probably heard about it. But I'm telling you, since my day right on up, it has not been taught to me as optional, or as a theory, or what could be, I got the impression that that's exactly how it was, and that's exactly what most say. But unfortunately for them, and fortunately for us today, I want you to know that there are some doubts that have been declared. Science... Doesn't have the slightest idea how life began, journalist Greg Easterbrook wrote. No generally accepted theory exists, and the steps leading from a barren primordial world to the fragile chemistry of life seems imponderable. Well, there's one guy that doesn't think evolution has any foundation. Evolutionists, again, have continued to search for proof, the proof needed to support their claims. Even Darwin himself recognized that the fossil record did not support his theory when he published his book, Origin of the Species, in 1859. He knew that. He admitted that. But he was so convinced that before long there would be discoveries made that would support it, he stood and said, this is truth. The truth is that Darwin's missing link has never been found. While other discoveries have been made to discredit the theory altogether. In the last 50 years, things have come to light that scientists had no idea of. And even back as far as Darwin, right on up to 1950s and 60s, there were things that were not even available to them. And they just basically said, this is a theory that has some feed or some, some foundation because we're just convinced it can't be God. The problem is, over the last 50 years, the discoveries that are being made only point more directly to potentially something other than coincidence or chance. Michael Denton, in his book Evolution, A Theory in Crisis, summarized the bleak situation this way. He said, quote, The universal experience of paleontology is that while the rocks have continually yielded new and exciting and even bizarre forms of life, what they have never yielded is any of Darwin's myriads of transitional forms. Remember, it's slow moving, so we should see the transition in the fossil record. But Michael Denton says it hasn't yet produced it. Despite the tremendous increase in geological activity in every corner of the globe, and despite the discovery of many strange and hitherto unknown forms, the infinitude of connecting links has still not been discovered, and the fossil record is about as discontinuous as it was when Darwin was writing The Origin. The intermediates have remained as exclusive as ever, and their absence remains a century later, one of the most striking characteristics of the fossil record. What he's saying is, is simply this, that there's no continuance and there's no transition being seen in the fossil record. There are just sporadic things that show up periodically and those can fit in a shoebox. As we'll find in the next few weeks. And he says the most compelling or striking characteristic of the fossil record is that there is no 
intermediates. And there is no connecting links. Henry G. in his article, In Search of Deep Time, Beyond the Fossil Record to a New History of Life, boldly concluded that the conventional picture of human evolution is a completely human invention created after the fact, shaped to accord with human prejudices. Then he said quite bluntly, to take a lineage of fossils and claim that they represent a lineage is not a scientific hypothesis that can be tested. But he he goes on to say, but an assertion, and he's pretty rough, but an assertion that carries the same validity as a bedtime story. Amusing, perhaps even instructive, but not scientific. Berkeley evolutionary biologist F. Clark Howell again said, there is no encompassing theory of human evolution. Remember, we read that already. Alas, there never really has been. Again, the theory is there, but is, it, is there any real support? Is there any real evidence? Well, there are things that can be construed as evidence depending on what side you look at it from. For instance, if there was an accident at the corner here at the street, right at the corner, and I was on one side of the street and someone was on the other side of the street, I'll guarantee you that we'd both have different accounts of the accident. Depending on when or where I see it and what, what uh, um, obstacle stood in my way, I may or may not explain it the way you did. And you may not explain it the way I did. You may not attribute the, accident, uh, the accident's um, um, cause to this driver. You may say it was the other driver. The fact is, is that it depends on what viewpoint you take and with the facts or with, should I say, the evidence. Often that depends on what side it falls on. And the truth is, if you begin a hypothesis or a theory that excludes God no matter what, you will never come up with God. Now, if you start it saying there has to be God, then you may also turn that evidence toward God. I understand that. But unfortunately, any rational thinking person, according to our Berkeley scientist earlier today said that any rational person knows that evolution is a fact. Well, then science should support that fact. But we're going to find, as many of these do, that there are a number of doubts declared. After spokespersons from the public broadcasting system, uh, system seven-part television series Evolution asserted that, here's what they asserted in their seven-part series on evolution, all known scientist, uh, excuse me, all known scientific evidence supports Darwinism or evolution, as does virtually every reputable scientist in the world. That's what they said in their seven-part series on evolution. The public broadcasting system put that together. When that came out, a group of professors, laboratory researchers, and other scientists published a two-page advertisement in a national magazine under the banner, A Scientific Descent from Darwinism. Their statement was direct, and it was extremely defiant. They said, we are skeptical of the claims for the ability of random mutation and natural selection to account for the complexity of life. They went on to say, careful examination of the evidence for Darwinian theory should be encouraged. 
They weren't shutting the door necessarily, but they were saying, how in the world can you say that it is foolproof when indeed it isn't? And they took a two-page ad out to say, hey, every reputable scientist believes this? What are we, chopped liver? Despite the dissent, however, the theory of evolution continues to be touted and taught as fact in our schools and universities. In her Newsweek article entitled, Science Finds God, Sharon Bagley made this statement. She said, the more deeply scientists see into the secrets of the universe, you'd expect the more God would fade away from their hearts and minds. And is that the truth or not? That is so true. And again, that's been the case for the last 50 years in America. Evolution, if you will, has been elevated in the eyes of our youth. God has been sadly reduced to myth and imagination in the minds of so many. And that's just the way it is. You knock on a door, you talk to somebody today about God, many people are like, I don't know. I don't know if he exists. I have no idea. Why? Because they've been taught he doesn't. They have no basis, no foundation for any faith or belief in God. And you certainly aren't going to learn about it on the public broadcast system, and you're not going to learn about it in the public school system, and you're not going to learn about creation, you're not going to learn about God anywhere but the house of God, and in many cases, even they're not teaching it anymore. See, the great failure of scientists in general isn't that they don't believe in God per se. That's not the issue. But that they won't consider his possibility. It's like they don't even consider that him as an option. They approach their research with open minds with one exception. God. There's no God. Physicist Steven Weinberg remarked, I am all in favor of a dialogue between science and religion, but not a constructive dialogue. One of the great achievements of science has been, if not to make it impossible for an intelligent person to be religious, then at least to make it possible for them not to be religious. Do you get that? Again, listen, one of the great achievements of science has been if not to make it impossible for an intelligent person to be religious, then at least to make it possible for them not to be religious. We should not retreat from this accomplishment. So my question is this. Is the goal of Darwinism to discover truth, or is it to dethrone God? I mean, what's the point of it? I mean, is it really to discover truth? Because if it is... Why don't we let the truth speak? Or is it really an attempt to dethrone God? See, I believe that question warrants our consideration today. And I think that every one of us that grew up in a culture and a society that says there's no God because we all morphed out of nothingness, I think we ought to ask ourselves a question. Why is this being taught? What diabolical scheme could there possibly be other than the fact that we're going to be ignorant if we don't accept it? Maybe, just maybe, there is a God. And maybe, just maybe, if there's a God, then there is a Bible that's true. And if there is a Bible that's true, there is a heaven and there is a hell. There is a devil that walks about trying to deceive those who are in this world. And let me tell you, what better way to deceive us than to teach us and train us and to bring us up saying there is no God. When the scientific method is applied to the theory of evolution, there is little evidence to support it. Again, there are gaping holes in the theory. 
We can't bring them all together. For whatever reason, it seems that there's always theory after theory after theory. There's always preponderance after preponderance. There's no legitimate, solid ground to stand on. Did or didn't we come from the Big Bang? Now they're questioning the Big Bang even. Every time a question arises, there is a new theory to take its place. Every time a finding is challenged or found to be false, unfactual, or even fabricated, they come up with some reason why. And they just move on and act like it never happened. What is going on? My concern is that Darwinism and the theory of evolution is not about discovering truth. I'm concerned it is simply about dethroning God. Science offers many explanations, but doesn't always arrive at the proper conclusion. Why? Once again, because it begins and ends without ever considering God as a possibility. That's why. And someone says, well, that's because you, you come up with God because you start with the Bible, and you come up with God because of this. Well, I have to admit that I, I am biased in that regard, but as I begin to do more research, what I'm finding is what was taught to me by fact, as fact, no question about it. What I'm finding is, it's not. And so before I want to believe something is truth, Without question, I'd like to at least look into it. And over the course of these next weeks, we're going to consider it. So here's the bottom line. We already noted that we have Darwinism described. We talked about doubts declared. Now there's some decisions that are demanded. Based on scientific, quote, theories... Evolution is how man came to be. In the universities across the country and in the public school system, they'll tell us evolution is the answer. You are being asked to believe that literally you came from nothingness. Or creation. In the beginning, God created. Decisions demanded. Evolution, again, begins from nothing. Literally nothing. I mean, if indeed even the Big Bang took place, where did the energy come from for the Big Bang to happen? Has the universe, is the universe eternal? Oh, they try to tell us that it started at a point, at one point in, in the past. Fifteen billion years ago, the Big Bang took place. That at that point, everything in the the universe was at a tiny little ball, just three quarters of an inch round. Well, where did that come from? Evolution begins from nothing. And we are by faith to just say it happened. You just heard a clap. Where did it come from? My hands coming together. We can get all technical about how it happens and how the molecules crashed into one another and all that junk. But the bottom line is, if I said, where'd that sound come from? You'd say, obviously, from your hands coming together. You clapped and it made a clapping noise. Okay. Waiting on the clap. Nobody in the audience. It's just me and nothing. Where's it going to happen? If my hands, if I don't have hands to clap. Oh, you've clapped your feet. I'm not talking about that. 
Come on, guys. Where's the clap come from? Common sense says there is no clap. If you, don't, if you can't clap, if you can't make it happen, there's nothing. There's going to be no noise because you're not clapping your hands. Well, I'm going to ask you, where'd the bang come from if there was nothing? A popular 70s song started off by saying this. Don't start breaking out and singing. <laughs> nothing from nothing. There it is. Leaves nothing. Right on cue. Thank you. <laughs> nothing from nothing leaves nothing. Well, guess what? Even a 70s songwriter understands that simple truth. You can't get something from nothing. Not if you want to be with me. (laughs) Evolution begins with nothing and ends with a very complex and a very operational model. Everything around you sprang forth from a common ancestor, according to the Darwin theory, according to evolution. Everything. Every blade of grass, every animal, every plant, every aspect of our world, our universe, came forth from one common ancestor. We're all, we're all here as a result of one common ancestor. You need faith to believe that. And then there's faith in God, of course. Creation begins with God. In the beginning, God. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It goes on in the book of Colossians to attribute that creation to God, the Lord Jesus Christ. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. And He is, the be- he is before all things and by Him all things consist. See, we've got answers again. Now again, you can say, well, I question whether there's a God. That's fine. But have you questioned the theory of evolution? Probably not because that's what you were taught growing up. That's what I was taught growing up. It was taught as fact. Well, let me tell you, it's not fact. There's a number of holes in it, as we'll see through the next weeks. But I'll tell you this, it takes as much faith, probably more in my opinion, to believe in Darwinism or the theory of evolution that does even a God who has a Bible that supposedly and historically has existed for thousands of years. Amazing. Now, say, where'd the bang come from if there was a bang? Well, some like to take uh, creation and evolution and put them together and say, well, God got the ball started and everything happened. The only thing is this. I, I I don't see that in the Bible. I don't see God kicking it off 15 billion years ago and then letting it go on its own. I don't see it. You say, why not? Because God is a very personal God. If God took the time to create such intricate molecules and beings and put everything in its proper place and made sure that it all came out just right, do you know that if the earth was just a fraction off in its revolution around the sun, it would totally and completely destroy all life on the planet? Do you understand how intricate and how, how very minute every little detail was planned out? That is a personal God. 
And you know, I am convinced today that that same God that's in heaven, amidst the vast and immense universe that there is, that the God of all creation is looking down upon you this morning. It's just almost like he has the lens of a celestial telescope or microscope, and he's magnifying you in his eyes. I know that you're very insignificant. I heard, I read one man that said, well, we believe today that there's not just one universe, but there's multiple universes and there's a mother universe. A mother universe and multiple universes, he said, because he's trying to explain the immensity and the growth of a universe. If universe is eternal and if it is, if, if it, if it is truly, um, um, uh, no beginning, no end, and if there is no, uh, element, it's, it's, uh, infinite, then how does it expand? They don't answer those questions. They don't know. So they come up with theories like mother universe and multiple universes. And he says, if that's the case, he says, how in the world would there be a God? Because we would be so minute and so insignificant with all these universes that he wouldn't have time for us. Let me tell you something today. God's got time for you. He does. He's got time for you. And it's like, again, like you're in that, that, that celestial microscope and you're being magnified in his eye and he, he sees you this morning and his focus and his attention is directed toward you this morning and all of the creation and all the universe and of all of it, you stand out among them all. So much so that God saw your great need. Jesus Christ. He saw your need because you were lost in your sin just like I am. You, you inherently, because of dad and mom and everybody through your past, inherited that sin nature from the sin of Adam way back in the garden. You say, now you've gotten off of evolution. Absolutely. Because this book is true. The Bible says that I am, that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And let me tell you, if you want life today and you want to find truth and you want the way, then you need Jesus Christ in your life. And your sin is separating you from Jesus Christ. But thank God, 2,000 years ago, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You can live forever. And that universe that the scientists are fighting over, whether it is infinite, whether it is eternal or not, whether it had a beginning or an end, let me promise you today, Jesus Christ had no beginning. He has no end. And as long as He lives, so will you. If you'll trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. There is a God, and in the beginning, God created And today, you are living testimony of His greatness, His goodness. Sin separates us from Him. But thank God, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to pay for your sin. And there is a God who is personal today, and He loves you specifically. And when Jesus hung on that cross 2,000 years ago, you were on His mind. Every one of us will close our eyes in death one day. Every one of us will face the God of all creation. We will either face Him alone, to bear our sin and reproach alone, or we will face Him with the Advocate, Jesus Christ, beside us, taking our place, arguing our cause, And stating that we allowed Him and His sacrifice to become payment for our sin. 
It wasn't that long ago I bowed my knee at an altar and said, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me for my sin. I believe you died for me and rose again, just like the Bible says. Lord, I'm so glad you loved me and died for me. I ask you to forgive me, save me, and take me to heaven. I can't do this alone. I'm just a sinner. But Lord, you will if I asked. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. I want to encourage you to trust Christ today. Like me, you were taught that there's an answer that excludes God. He just, keeps, he just seems to keep popping up everywhere I go. I'm going to tell you, he's alive today. When they put him in that tomb, they thought he was dead. But he came out alive. And he lives evermore, and he makes intercession on behalf of you and I today. Your sin can be paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. Will you accept Christ today as your Savior? Will you let him be the Lord of your life? Will you leave here the same or will you leave different? The decision's yours. Because in the end, we are faced with the decision. It's going to be either God or it will end up being our own science, our own conclusions, and possibly even evolution itself. But I today believe that there's a God in heaven without a doubt. And he loves you and died for you and saved you. We'll save you if you'll ask him. Won't you do that today? Won't you let Christ be your savior? Won't you let him save you from your sin? Father, we come to you. We thank you for this time we've had together. And we're asking you, Lord, just to bless us in these next few minutes. Lord, there's no doubt, Lord, that much confusion has arisen through the years as a result of the teachings of Darwinism and evolution. Or as a pastor, whom I'm, there's no way in the world I can stand up here and tell folks that I don't believe there's a God. That would be crazy. I do. Lord, as we look at that, we're going to lay down proof over these next weeks that there are holes in that theory. And secondly, we're going to lay down some proof uh, historically and uh, scripturally even that shows that you are real. Father, help us to learn as we go through these next weeks. But today, Lord, in our midst are a number of wonderful people Souls for which you died on Calvary. Souls for which you shed your blood and gave your life for. Not because you just wanted to endure suffering, torment, and pain, but because you realized that someone had to because of sin. Either you or us. Thank you that you took my place. And when I accepted and received you, you applied that blood and that sacrifice to my sin in my account and paid it in full. Lord, there may be others that have yet to accept and receive you as their Lord and Savior. Help them, Father, today to let you apply your blood, your sacrifice to their account. And say, let it be said that it's paid in full. And they might be able to also be in heaven one day. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I wonder today. I wonder if anyone would say, honestly, preacher, I can't honestly say that if I die today, I know for sure I'm on my way to heaven. I can't say I have that settled and that I know it for sure. As a matter of fact, I'd have to say that I wish I knew. It'd be great news if I could know. Preacher, pray for me. I don't have that settled. I don't know for sure if I'd go to heaven. And with an uplifted hand, you'd say, Preacher, pray for me. Can I pray for you today? I don't have it settled. I don't know for sure if I die to go to heaven. That's me, preacher. I'm going to be honest with you today. 
I don't have it settled. I don't know. Can I see your hand quickly? Just put it up, put it down. I don't see it. Yeah, anywhere else. Just up, down. Yep, anywhere else. Up, in the, up, yep, up, down. Real quick, just let me pray for you here in a moment. Yeah, anyone else? Yes, I see it. Anywhere else? All over the room, there's hands popping up. Yes, absolutely. I appreciate your honesty. You know, the Bible says that if we're going to worship God, we have to worship Him in spirit and in truth. You're being honest today. Do you know that God wants to hear from you today? If there was a bang in history, it would probably go back to the cross when he died, was buried, and rose again that third day. Boy, that changed everything for us. And today, he's looking down upon you with that celestial microscope, and you're big in his eyes, and he loves you, and he cares for you. And today, he wants you to leave his child. He wants you to leave part of his family. He wants you to leave knowing heaven's your home and having asked for forgiveness of sin and receiving him as Savior and Lord of your life. In just one moment, after I pray, we're going to stand to our feet and we're going to ask you to to really make a very bold step. I'll tell you what that is in just a moment. Let's all stand to our feet. No music yet. I'm going to pray for those that raised hands. Let's all stand, please. Very quietly. And please, as we go through this special time, can we not leave or disrupt those around us? Because right now is a very important time. If there's any movement, may it be toward the altar, not away today. Father, bless us now in these next moments. Everyone has listened so intently. Holy Spirit of God, you are speaking to hearts and lives. Lord, there were those that raised hands that were being very honest and sincere today that do not know for sure if they died, they'd go to heaven. They don't have that settled. But Lord, your word is very clear. They can know for sure. They can have that settled. You said, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that ye have eternal life. Father, may they be so bold in just a moment to let you speak to their heart from your word. And may you, Father, change them, giving them hope and adding them to your family and reserving them a spot in heaven one day when they die. Bless them now, I pray. Give them the courage that it will take to settle this issue today. Well, thank you in Christ's name. Before anybody raise a head or an eye, we're going to keep our heads bowed and eyes closed. But you raised your hand. I prayed for you just now. Pray that God give you courage. What I want you to do is simply this. As soon as the music starts, I mean the very instant she puts her fingers on the keys, I want you to step out in the aisle. Come see me right at the front. I don't care if it's the middle aisle, the end aisle. If there's someone beside you, just excuse yourself. Go right on through. Do not allow the devil to tell you to stay seated. Do not allow him to deceive you. You come and let the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who's speaking to your heart, Let him do business with you, and you do business with him today. Ready? As the music starts right now. Right there. Come on, step out. Let's go. That's right. Come on. Come on. Just let's settle this today. Let's not waste time. Let's just deal with it. The devil would be glad to have you sit and remain comfortable and safe in your seat. But listen, let's let God deal with some things. I don't know for sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. Come on now. I saw a number of hands. Won't you settle it? If you're a lady, we'll have a lady show you from the Word of God some things. If you're a man, we'll have a, a man take a moment and show you from the Bible. Come on. I don't know for sure, preacher. I don't have that settled. Come on. Why would you waste the time? Settle it today. 
What a wonderful change that it brings in your life. What a peace that it brings to know that eternity is settled, that life has meaning and purpose, that Jesus Christ certainly does and will direct and guide you in life. Now, what's the purpose of life? Is there meaning? Absolutely there is. And it's found in God and it's found in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is meaning. There is purpose. You can find it today in Christ. Won't you come? Take a look. You have to see it for yourself. Nobody can make that decision for you. Every man, every woman has to make their own decision today. I don't know for sure. If I died, I'd go to heaven. You can know. 1 John 5.13 These things have I written unto you. What? The Word of God. That ye may know that ye have eternal life. Come on. Folks are praying for you. God's waiting for that moment that He can transform and change your life forever. He wants to do it. He certainly does. It's up to you. Won't you come? Say, man, you don't know what I've been up to. You don't know what I've done in my past. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't. God's in the business of changing people. He's in the business of washing the past away and starting fresh and anew. That's what he does. come to an altar if you just need to pray but boy it'd be a shame to leave here with the assurance uh, with the hope of being forever saved forever secure in Christ but to leave unsure you heard in your heart the devil will tell you that's just your emotions you know the one that said you need to do that you need to settle that the devil will tell you that was your head speaking your mind you talking to yourself because he doesn't want you to settle that issue he'll try to convince you that it was something other than what it was or who it was the Holy Spirit of God bringing conviction in your life the Bible tells us in John 6, the Holy Spirit draws men. He draws women unto Him. How does He do that? Through preaching, through the Word of God. He does that through even circumstance at times where He brings things into our life that makes us open, more open to the things of God. He draws us. And He's drawing today. church trying to get a notch in a gun belt 
This is about you having an opportunity to settle something of eternal weight and value. to be seated for just a moment. We're going to take just a moment. Again, we've got some folks filling out some cards and decisions that are being finalized. But And as you get those, if you could bring those up, please. But now we want to take just a moment and recognize some folks that uh, had brought some folks today. Again, we're so glad you could be a part of the service, and it's truly a blessing to us. I'm wondering if I have my uh, the things I need. Oh, there they are. Very good. Thank you. I'm sorry. A tie for second place. Hmm. Oh, well, you guys will have to split it. <laughs> Going to be uh, out in the parking lot today in just a few moments. There'll be a uh, discussion. No. <laughs> okay. I'm teasing. We're going to just give two second places away, and we're just going to do it that way. We'll work that out. But anyway, uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, pass these out. And again, we have, uh, I'll tell you what, I'll do the, the last one. First one last, I guess. Let's do third place first. And uh, again, um, we appreciate all the work that went into this, all the prayers that went into it. And uh, I want to, uh, let's see, Frank and Dixie Morris, third place. Frank and Dixie. Don't, you don't have to come on up, guys. I know it's hard for you to walk. Good. Congratulations, Frank and Dixie. Way to go. All right. Do we, do we know how many? Forty-four. Great job, Frank and Dixon. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, they brought, I'm sorry, they had four. They had four, I'm sorry. I, you know, that was, yeah, okay, 44. That was wishful thinking. No, four. Very good, though. Excellent work, though, guys. Excellent work. We're excited about that. I have it here. I'll make sure you get it, Brother Frank. Dixie, I'll make sure you get that, okay? Right there it is. And that was a $50 gift card for dinner. They'll enjoy that. And now we have second place, a $100 uh, gift card to, uh, well, gas or groceries, whatever. Giant Eagle, basically, get whatever you want there. All right? We know how it is with gas prices nowadays, right? Thought that might be something very practical and helpful. $100, second place. We had a tie. And so we've got two folks. David Miller. Brother David. I'll tell you what. Come on up, David. I think I'll tell you what, David, I'm going to get you yours tonight. Can I do that for you? Right. That's good. Because i got another fellow, and I don't know that he'll be able to make it back this evening. Let me go ahead. But uh, David, great right. job, man. How many Thank David you. have? Six. Six. Great job, Father David. Jesus Christ. Amen, brother. Amen. God bless you. That's good, David. All right. And then we have Andy Page. Andy? Come on up, Andy. I wanted Andy to get his first. Come on up, Andy. I'm going to give you this. David's going to wait till tonight. I'm actually going to throw a couple pieces of candy in his. <laughs> Congratulations, David. Great job. Great job. There you go. Those guys worked hard and did a great job. And then also, first place now. Okay. Um, how, uh, how many? Well, first of all, how many? 
Seven. Wow, you guys were close. Wow, this is an overnight stay down in Amish country. Yeah, $150 gift certificate. Okay? If you go in the winter, you get more for your buck. Just letting you know. If you wait till the season, okay, I'm just telling you. But anyway, Keith and Michelle Harris. Way to go, brother. He, he, he's back in the sound booth. He does a lot better job getting people to church than he does the sound. But anyway. <laughs> I'm teasing. Come on, you guys. You've got to lighten up with me here. Do we have all the cards? Are we good here? Let me get those. All right. We're going to dismiss in a word of prayer. But again, we certainly are thankful that you made your way here. And uh, we're, we're excited about what God has done already today. Uh, Lori's coming uh, for salvation today. That's wonderful news. Praise the Lord for that, Lori. Congratulations. God bless you. Lisa also. That's a blessing. Praise the Lord, Lisa. God bless you. Amen. And finally, we have Mike. Mike also. Way to go, Mike. God bless you. Amen. Tremendous decisions. They'll change your life. They'll change your life. It'll change your life. And for the good, the better. Anyway, we're excited that you've made that decision. We want to do all we can to be a blessing to help to you. And uh, like I say, we can be of help. Also, if you're here today and you don't have a church home, we want to invite you to come on back. Next Sunday, we'll be back on again. We do have services Sunday night and Wednesday nights. You're welcome to come. Six in the evening on Sunday, seven on Wednesday. But again, what a, what a great time uh, I had today. I trust you did as well. And we're just going to go ahead and dismiss an order of prayer. So let's all stand to our feet. We'll do just that. I'll tell you what. Uh, Mr. Jurgen, why don't you come close us today, all right?